supernaturally dope is. How you experience God, or what you believe about God in your everyday life. Being supernaturally dope is harnessing your power and your gifts. Living a dope life that you can be fulfilled with. Being supernaturally dope is just being. Being whoever God created you to be. Hi, Tasha here. I'm back for another episode of my super dope supernatural life. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your support and I really appreciate you you listening. Um, I hope that what I've shared so far has been somewhat transformative. And if you're not in the full transformation stage, at least it has you thinking about some things. Um, that is the goal of my entire podcast that is to get us thinking and realizing and transforming and igniting and empowering and um, encouraging change, encouraging us to embrace the fullness of ourselves, who God created us to be, even if it means um, shedding off some of the old belief systems, old uh, faith structures that we've had in place. Um, As I've stated previously in other episodes, if this is your first episode, you want to go back and listen to the other three. I embarked on a journey to um, really identify who I was spiritually or really affirm who I was spiritually and not have those affirmations really just come from outside or other people all the time. And I'll explain. There are certain things that I know about myself and I have known about myself, but they scared me. And I shared some of those things, especially as it pertains to the supernatural and functioning in my spirituality, in my spiritual gifts and having my faith in Jesus Christ and making sure that however I demonstrated my faith or however I walked out what I believed, that it was pleasing to man. And it was more important for me to be accepted by man and be accepted by the church than it was for me to be in true relationship and validated by God. So, I want to talk about today the fear that comes with with change, like facing the fear of when you go through your metamorphosis, when you go through the different transformations that we experience in this life, especially as it relates to um, becoming more aware of you and settling into your identity and who you are, how we face those fears and those challenges. During during this spiritual journey, I have had to really block out, like really have tunnel vision. Like if I could describe it, it's like, you know how they put the little uh, black things over the racehorse's eyes? I don't know what they're called, so forgive me. So they won't look in the lane to their left or right, but they'll stay focused on straight ahead. They'll stay focused, excuse me, and looking straight ahead. That is exactly 
what I've had to do, I would probably say maybe this last year or so, because I wanted to shed a lot of things, a lot of dead weight, a lot of negative um, connotations that I had accepted. There were some things that people's negative words put on me and I held on to it and I wore them like a coat of many colors. It would just be a coat of many negative um, comments or attributes about Tasha, okay? I wore them. And in light of me wearing them, I was afraid. I was afraid to be myself for myself. Like I knew somewhat what I possessed, but because people didn't even accept me when I wasn't fully operating in who I was, I really was afraid that they won't, they wouldn't accept me when I was, if that makes sense. So I was afraid of myself. I was afraid of being um, rejected when I made a decision to say, I'm going to dig in deeper into my spirituality. And when you, these days, when you talk about spirituality to some church people, it automatically means that you're crossing over into, into some type of new age, witchcraft type of metaphysical world. And for some Christians, all of those worlds are separate and they should ne- none of the ideas or concepts of science or metaphysics or what we call or term, I almost hate to use the word or term new age, but what we term new age, they're not supposed to cr- cross over into the Christian faith because we're just supposed to be focusing centered on Jesus And the Holy Spirit, and if it's not Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then you went off into something else and done went crazy. So I was afraid. I was very, very afraid starting out to read books about meditation, to read books about uh, the different books of the Bible that were not canonized. I was very afraid And what made me overcome that fear was just my curiosity. Well, what made me overcome my fear? Let me go back. What made me overcome my fear of going ahead and diving into extra study or outside study of just the Bible and, you know, my weekly Sunday school or or Wednesday night Bible study class was my curiosity Now, I still stayed in the shadows and didn't really talk that much because I didn't want people to know that I, while I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in his sonship and I believe in his kingly or priestly authority and I believe he's on the right hand of God interceding for us, I believe all of that. While I believe that, I kind of didn't really ascribe to everything else that is church entity. And church entity is a word that I made up. I felt my heart kind of coming away from that. And just like everybody else, I have stories of 
by feelings being hurt or being devastated or being rejected or dejected in a church setting by people that I admired, that I respected, that I thought was mentoring me, that I thought were the greatest people on the planet. And in all actuality, they are still great people, even though we experience some bumps in the road. But my uh, sort of waning away from some of that was a lot was a lot deeper because I had a lot of questions you know like I understood early on that some of the things in the Bible were not necessarily historically accurate as timeline wise or even who said it who said what or who told what story I also knew that some of it wasn't culturally accurate accurate. I also knew that most of the perspectives were not Western perspectives or even written for or to a Western culture. And it made me have even more questions about, well, why would Jesus do this? And why would he say that? And how was he just, you know, how were Jesus and John the Baptist just in a totally different, you know, place than the other Jewish leaders and priests were? And why was there so much, you know, How are they so much at odds? And then even with dealing with some of the New Testament stories and, you know, for me, I just wanted to go back to where it all began. Right. And I've explained that whole how the even the idea for me to do that came about in the other episodes. I didn't want to dishonor God. Right. Because I still have this belief system that says if I do certain things, then that must mean that I don't believe God. That must mean that I don't have faith. And so I was really afraid for that to be said to me. And it's weird because I don't know why. I've had worse things said about me, right? But I did it and I kind of like would keep, you know, I would hear certain things in church or hear certain things in a conversation. And I would feel like, "Mm, I know that's not right. You know, I've discovered from several different sources and kind of, inferring some things that what you're saying is not right. And I kind of felt like I was kind of tiptoeing through the tulips, if you know what I mean. Like, "Mm, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do this because it's expected of me. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I've fallen off. One morning during prayer, God asked me, who was more important to me? Him? or those around me. And of course, within my heart, my natural response is, you know, God, you are. And he's like, no, I can't be. Because if I am, you wouldn't be so afraid. And so that particular morning, I wrote down like everything that I was afraid of, um, as far as not just my faith, But really realizing in my everyday life, fear has gripped me and kept me from doing and experiencing and accomplishing a lot of things. And it was mind blowing. Okay, so if a dog is not mine, I'm scared of it. Point blank period. I'm going to run from your dog. If I come in your house and your dog runs towards me, I'm going to jump on top of your entertainment system. I'm going to do a somersault over the island in your kitchen. Whatever I need to do to get away from your dog, that's absolutely what I'm going to do. I'm afraid of dogs. I am afraid of 
spiders. I am afraid of flying creatures. Any flying creature other than birds, unless they get too close. But the little flying bugs, anything like that. I don't that look like little cockroaches or little beetles and all that stuff. And they're hard. Like you can hear them. I'm afraid of those. Um, What else am I afraid of? I'm a little squirmish about heights. I got into a car accident a while ago. Um, It's been a few years. It was this 2019. So it's been about 13 years ago. I got into a car accident. God literally spared my life. I almost got hit by a semi truck, but I hydroplaned on the highway. My car got totaled. Brand new car, might I add. I hadn't even had it 30 days yet. So ever since then, when it comes to driving in the snow and rain, I'm a little afraid. I take my time. I mean, and if I don't, and if I can avoid driving all together and I don't have to go, I don't. So those are like some of my fears. But let me tell you what really struck me when I wrote this list of everything that I was afraid of, what really struck me was that when it came to my goals, when it came to my vision, when it came to casting a vision, when it came to actually executing a plan, I was so afraid. And the number one fear that I wrote down was people not liking me. Doesn't that sound silly? Like when you think about it on the surface, it's like, who cares what people say? But we all have this little thing that if we dig and scratch beyond the surface that says, I want people to affirm and validate what I'm doing. I want them to um, like my accomplishments. I want my accomplishments to... Uh, resonate with people, right? And so I would always shoot myself in the foot before I even would get started on something. Like I have so many plans that I've written in journals over the years. I even went back and read some of them. And I would start to execute them. But then I noticed that if I had any type of negative experience on the road to execution, I would passively stop. And when I say passively stop, it's like I would come too bit I would become too busy to follow up and go to the meetings anymore or I would become too busy to take the time to go to a workshop to learn more about this industry or I got tired of of looking up grants and I didn't understand how to read them anyway. It was always like some type of passive excuse as to why I didn't continue on. And I journal everything. So going back, reading some of this stuff, it's unbelievable how much fear gripped me. And even the simplest thing as applying for a job one time that I really, really wanted I really wanted this job as a compliance specialist at this bank. And I have a degree in psychology, um, but I've worked in banks all my life. So my experience trumped my education when it came to pursuing jobs. And I think I told you guys before that I also went ahead and pursued finance because it was the quickest and easiest way for me to make a decent amount of money. But I wanted to 
move up to this compliance job. And I journaled, journaled about why I wanted the job and some keywords I can put into my resume. And I even wrote out my uh, cover letter in the in my journal. And I talked about the job for about two days. I believe it was two days I talked about this, you know, applying for this compliance job and how I expected it to impact my income and impact my family. And it was just going to be great. And I told somebody that I thought I was really good friends with about me wanting to have this job about and um, my plans and applying for it and even had them go over my cover letter. Now, I journaled all of this. This happened maybe about 11 or 12 years ago. And I'm just reading about this about a month ago. And I um, wrote in the journal, I shared my desire for this job with such and such. They're supposed to be this and that to me. I showed them the cover letter and they just shot my dream to SHIT. But then again, maybe they're right. Maybe I need to work in this industry before I just jump over into something else. And it was just like, there's a lot of examples over the years of similar situations where I was so quick to draw back into the background or so quick to stop and settle or so quick to accept the negative report, not realizing that sometimes a negative report from somebody that you love or somebody that you're in a friendship with or in a relationship with that you trust, sometimes we so readily accept the report to fall back because we're really afraid to move forward. Because what if whatever their criticism was, what if it was true? What if, you know, like I said before, I came up with all of these reasons, well, maybe I should just, but sometimes those negative reports are tied to people not wanting you to progress past where they see you. But that's another conversation. We're talking about fear and pushing past it. And shedding those things that make us so readily embrace it, like settling and being comfortable and being fearful and afraid to make a move, to make a decision. Um, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I hate to say it, guys, but I was a pretty double-minded person. Fear caused me to live and operate in double-mindedness the majority of the time. Now, people have this perception of me of, being a go-getter and that I can make things happen and, and and get things done. And it's true. I can to a certain extent when it doesn't involve something that I want. I'm very good at being a cheerleader, at being a gopher, at being the assistant, at being the, the springboard or the launching pad. I'm excellent at that because that means I don't have to settle into me. I don't have to do, I'm, it, our eyes are not on me. They're on the person that I helped fulfill their vision. Because again, another aspect of 
the fear of really settling into you and your purpose and your vision is being afraid to be out front. I was so afraid to be out front because I didn't want any additional ridicule or any additional criticism. I didn't want to hear, well, who does she think she is or why is she doing that? I don't want to be laughed at anymore than I already had been mocked and laughed at or mocked and criticized or mocked and sabotaged, right? And I always attributed those three things to outside forces. Like, here I go again, uh, Miss such and such or Sister such and such done came and acted like we were cool, but then was dogging me behind my back or was talking about my idea behind my back, so I'm not even going to do it. Not even knowing that it wasn't Miss or Sister so-and-so that sabotaged me. I self-sabotaged because I stopped because of a negative report and a negative experience. And sometimes, guys, we have to be honest and identify when fear is holding us hostage because these things from these outside people and outside influences, they're going to come because that's the enemy's job. But our job is to realize we have to keep going in spite of it. So now my mantra, when I come to those, even doing this podcast is a great example. Doing this podcast, I've been talking about this podcast, I know, for like a year. I'm going to do this podcast because I really, you know, I really want to take people on the spiritual journey with me. I really want to talk to them about what I'm learning about myself and and help them and but still it's like the little small voice the enemy has in the back of your head nobody gonna listen to your podcast listen to you people don't even know who you are one time I even like did not speak I was asked to come speak at a conference and I thought about it and I was excited for the invitation do you know I turned down the invitation do you know why I turned down the invitation I turned down the invitation because in my mind, it was like people were going to be like, who is she and where does she come from? Isn't that ridiculous? Handcuffed and stifled by my own fear, my own fear. And as much as I want to put the demise and sabotage of my progression in some areas on somebody else, I have to turn, take a good look in the mirror and look at myself. Because regardless of what anybody else says and does, I'm still responsible for fulfilling my purpose. I'm still responsible for being Tasha on this earth. I'm still responsible for that. And I believe that's one of the things and one of the tools that Jesus was giving us is how to live kingdom-minded and in purpose and in identity on this earth. I said before, we were created to be limitless in an environment that does everything it can to press limits on us. Jesus knew who he was, and when they were questioning him, saying, you're not that. He still operated and fulfilled his purpose. When temptation came, when the enemy tried to tempt him, 
with all the things that he could have if he would just prove that he's the son of God. He still was very aware that though your motives are not right, I'm still who I am. And when I say that, I mean everything that Satan said to Jesus was right. The Bible says, if you do this, the angels will come and they'll save you. You won't dash your foot against the stone. That's true. And Jesus was like, yeah, you're right, but nope, I'm not doing that. Because even in you being right, even if I accept that report, the motive and intent behind it is wrong. And so that's something that I had to learn and I am learning through this spiritual journey that I'm on. The more that I study, the more that I read about Jesus and other characters in the Bible. And I shouldn't say characters, excuse me. Pe people in the Bible and during that time, other spiritual leaders and kings um, during that time, and even now, is that I am still responsible for fulfilling my purpose. And I can't let outside forces stop me. I can't let people threatening to kill my vision, people trying to stop my vision, me trying to stop my vision. I have to override my own emotion. I have to do it afraid. And how do you do it afraid? By shedding off and peeling off those layers of when you were rejected and dejected or when you were devastated because you found out somebody you loved was talking behind your back or somebody you love sabotaged your idea. You have to shed the pain, the unforgiveness, and the bitterness that come from those negative experiences because that's just a tool or a weapon for fear to use to have you bound because you're constantly remembering, uh-oh, when I did this before, and I hear a lot of people say that, well, I did that before and this, this, and this happened. I'm not doing that again. I'm not trusting her again, or I'm not trusting this process again. Instead of saying, I did this and this before, and that happened, it hurt me. But this time when I do it, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Instead of thinking out what could be done differently in order for you to keep going and not stop. And I'm not even just talking about, I pointed out some things that were, I would say, outward, like being afraid of animals or being afraid of executing a vision or goals, but also being afraid to grow or being afraid to uh, demonstrate your growth or demonstrate change. One of the things that I, I would do is, you know, I said before, I would shrink back. I wouldn't have certain conversations because... I didn't want, I remember one time somebody in my circle of friends was like, oh, Tasha, she know everything. But it wasn't like, Tasha, she know everything, ha, ha, ha. It was sarcastic. And it hurt my feelings because this was my friend. So then I would find myself when we would be having group conversations, not really saying much of anything. Or if someone asked me a question about something, I would try to play it off like I really didn't know, even though I knew. Or if my idea or my personality or what I felt about something did change, you know, if I heard somebody say, oh, you changed, you act different, you acting funny. I didn't see that as 
a positive sign of my evolution or even my elevation. I saw that as a sign of, oh, I'm about to lose this loved one and I don't want to lose them because they're my family, they're my friend. I don't want them to think I think I'm better than nobody. What's wrong with just embracing the newness of you? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with being rejected for a time? I have noticed that every time I was rejected for something, it was for a season. And then towards the end of that season, something would happen that would make me understand, okay, this is why you couldn't do this over here. Because you go on a totally different route. And if I constantly stayed on this new route, looking back at the rejection and the dejection and, and who thought negatively about what, then I wouldn't be able to live a life of new experiences. So you have to find a way to let it go. You have to find a way to, when you get into your prayer and you get into your meditation, to speak those things that hurts you, to be honest and sit in that pain for a little while. And when I say sit in it, I mean experience it because that's one thing too that we're taught to do, that if we say that that really hurt me or if we are vulnerable to whatever our feelings are at the time of what the other person's reaction is going to be. And we can't do that. We have to say what we're going to say and withdraw ourselves from the outcome. Hey, that really hurt my feelings. I cried about that. I don't understand it. I don't think it's cool. And really, there's nothing you can say that will justify it. But I had made a decision to let it go. And I know going forward that maybe that's not the type of relationship that me and you can have. Or you can give them a chance to explain. And if you're satisfied with the explanation, you can find a way to move on still in some type of relationship or make a decision that I'm more peaceful and happy and just letting it go and letting you go too. And when I say let go, I don't mean in a negative sense like, mm, you're not my friend no more, giving them the cold shoulder every time you see it, see them. No, I mean in a way that is peaceful and gratifying. There's people that I let go of when I see them, I still dap them up. I still hug them. If they call me and need something or need to talk, I'm still listening. I'm still offering whatever wisdom God gives me about the situation. But I do understand that there that's the level of that relationship. So that's one thing that we have to learn to do in order to move forward, even when we're afraid, is not let the fear be so crippling that we're afraid to feel that again. When you're going to feel it again regardless because these circumstances and situations happens to ev I mean everyone has a story. Everyone has a story of defeat. Everyone has a story of failure. Just like everyone has a story of some success. And if you feel like you're one of those people like, well, I really don't have a story of success. Everything has been horrible that's happened to me all my life, then you're one of those people that need to grab a journal and a pen and sit down and write out those experiences and really sit at them and read them back and see where you played a part in your demise. That's not excusing the people that 
did something wrong to you. That's not excusing the horrible situation that you might have been and however you got there. That's not excusing any of that. But what we do know is that God always makes a way for us to escape. And if your way of escape was going to counseling or going to the doctor or humbling yourself and going to the homeless shelter for a few days or humbling yourself and asking someone for help this one time and you didn't do it, then you that fear that came along with pride to stop you from doing those things, you played a part in your own demise. You didn't take your way of escape that was provided. So that's something, too, that we have to be honest about. The other thing is when we get ready to do it afraid, sometimes it's good to write down what's the worst that can happen. I had to do that for a while. This is the worst that can happen. They tell me no and they don't accept my proposal and I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, my lights might get cut off. I might be eating fried bologna sandwiches for two or three days, but I'm not going to die. I get to live and do it again another day. So shedding the um, misconception that disappointments and setbacks and failures automatically mean you can never get back up again. That's also rooted in fear. So I, I think if some of us took our journals tonight and just kind of wrote down some really um, traumatic or catastrophic events that have happened in our life and like really write it out, get into much de- as much detail as you can and go back and read it, you can see areas where you did have control. You did have control. You did have a means to escape. I would say the other thing that we could, the other tool that we can um, have in our tool belt at all times is prayer and meditation. Like I said, evolving and going through this spiritual experience, I would say prayer and meditation has been a lifesaver for me, especially as it pertains to fear. Uh, One scripture that we talk about all the time is God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. It took on a, a, a new meaning for me because that's really a weapon in my arsenal, love, power, and a sound mind. Those are things that I'm always supposed to have. So when I come across these situations that are difficult, these are things that I whip out or I turn to. When I'm facing fear, when I'm saying hello to fear, this is what I'm confronting confronting fear with. I have a love and a passion for what I'm doing. I have a love and a passion for myself. I have a love and a passion for God and what he called me to do. And since I have that love and that passion for it, I have the joy that comes along with doing it. I believe that when um, when you put that together with the scripture that says the blessings of the Lord maketh us rich and add no sorrow to it. That's what that means. The blessing of being able to execute my vision, the blessing of being able to to leave my past behind me and to change. No sorrow comes with that. It's not just talking about a monetary blessing. It's talking about the blessing of having a sound mind and having joy and having peace and having love. No sorrow comes with that. No fear can override that because you're going into it with these tools and you have to pray and you have to meditate on scriptures like that. You have to pray them. You have to 
You can write them as affirmations. You can pray them every day, every morning and every night. When you start feeling that anxiety, when you start feeling um, the past creeping up like that, say those scriptures and remind yourself, these are the things that I have innately. God gave me these things, whether they lie dormant in my spirit or not. They're always there and I have to use them. My mouth to pray and to decree and declare who I am, what I have, how this is going to work, to say my affirmations. I have to use my mind and use my spirit to think about the positive things that come along with this experience, to think about the pureness that comes along with whatever this experience is, to think about the lesson that I'm learning in this experience And believe me, folks, I've had to do these exercises myself, even in the midst of tears, because something happened that disappointed me or made me feel like I was a failure in order for me to keep going and moving forward. So whether you are executing your vision or maybe you're going through a spiritual evolution like I am, no matter what it is, you're trying to get over getting afraid of spiders and dogs like I need to do. No matter what it is, we have to shed the coat of many fears, the coat of many negative comments. We have to shed it. We have to peel back the layers. We got a cloak on, an overcoat, a, a leather breastplate, holding on to all of these things that block us and stop us from executing our visions or being who we are or finding our spiritual identity or being okay in our skin. Like learning how to be okay in my skin was monumental for me. Learning how to be okay that my ideas and my thoughts and my beliefs were changing, monumental. But the challenge has been not getting rid of fear completely, but articulating and doing it and executing afraid. And so that's going to be my prayer in closing of this podcast, that God, you help us to do it afraid. And Lord, that you remind us that you've given us the power, you've given us the strength, the ability to execute the vision that you've gave us, to be in service of our fellow man, to be good wives, good husbands, daughters, mothers, sisters, brothers, uncles, cousins, grandparents, CEOs, teachers, principals, whatever we, whatever our station is right now, you've given us the strength to walk out our purpose. And you've given us love, power, and a sound mind to walk it out afraid. I thank you that we have the mind and the heart that fear will no longer paralyze us and cripple us, that there's a lesson in everything that we've experienced. And that what we think about ourselves and what we know about ourselves will always propel us to the next level. If we stay in purpose and if we settle into our spiritual identity and if we settle into the love you have for us, we will always be conquerors. We will be super conquerors and that we won't be overcome by the world because you have already overcome the world. You've already overcome the temptation of the world. You've already overcome the negative connotations of the world, the criticism, the hypocrisy, the anger, the bitterness, the murder, the hate. God, you've overcome all of those things. So if we let 
This mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus, the mind to follow the principles and the rules of the kingdom of God, then we will have the blessings that make us rich and not add sorrow to it. We'll use the weapons of love, joy, and a sound mind whenever we're afraid. And we'll continually be overcomers. And we thank you for that, God. And I pray for everyone listening under the sound of my voice that no matter the traumatic experience, that today we shed them and let them go. So when we're jumping over the hurdles of fear, our load is so much lighter. In Jesus' name, amen. So two things in closing. The song that I chose for this episode to close out is Kirk Franklin's Hello Fear. And I felt like it was so fitting for this episode in talking about fear and talking about confronting our our fears head on. So when you listen to the song, I hope that it prompts you to think about that and to really sit in to what some of your fears are and what you can do to shed the apprehension and move forward even while you're afraid. Second, I would like to leave you with this quote from Audre Lorde. It says, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I love you. Be good.
breakups. So I'll just say. so much for listening to this episode of my super dope supernatural life listen make sure you follow us on our social media pages um, we have instagram we're at supernaturally dope twitter supernaturally dope life and facebook supernaturally dope you can also visit our website at www.supernaturallydope.com we have a lot of great resources products and services to help you engage the supernatural in your everyday life talk to you soon thanks <laughs>